Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. So earlier today, Russia said the first phase of the war is over. And some analysts say maybe they're looking at an exit strategy. They say they're going to be focusing their efforts on the Donbass region of uh, southeastern Ukraine. Um concentrating on on gaining more control of that region and again could this point to a possible exit strategy for vladimir putin who knows all we know is that things are probably not going according to plan for the kremlin and jeff mccausland always has great perspective and insight military analyst for cbs news jeff welcome back happy friday paul it's good to be with you what do, what do you make of things? I mean, I, I some of these statistics are just staggering. 10,000 killed, 16,000 Russian troops wounded. Uh, you can't even put this into perspective in terms of what American forces have been through in Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, six, seven Russian generals have been killed. Uh, what... I mean, what do you think is going through the mind of Vladimir Putin right now, based on everything you know? Well, I think he's enormously frustrated because this war is certainly not going according to plan. He thought it'd be over in a few days. And now it's actually a humiliation to him personally, I think, in many ways, because he's kind of pushed all his personal poker chips to the center of the table. Try to put that in context for you a little bit. I think you're right. It's hard for us to wrap our head around these casualties when we suffered a total of about... 7,000 killed in action across 20 years in Iraq and Afghanistan. But those were low-intensity conflicts in many ways, counterinsurgency, counterterrorism ops largely, with the exception, of course, of the 2003 invasion of Iraq, whereas this is high-intensity conflict of mobile warfare, aircraft, uh, missiles, you know, anti-tank weapons, et cetera, et cetera. If you look back to World War II, for example, the Marine Corps lost 7,000 killed in action trying to take Iwo Jima, that was over 30 days. Well, we've seen Russian casualties about double what the Marines suffered on Iwo Jima. So that might be a way of trying to get your head around this. What does it mean? Well, it seems like they have, as you suggest, are now in a strategic pause, a reassessment. My guess is because of those casualties, a number of those units are now have suffered at least 10% or more overall casualties. That's killed, wounded, missing prisoners. And as a consequence, we would calculate a unit that suffered that kind of casualty level would be no longer combat effective. So they're liably pulling units out, pushing new units in, or if not that, at least bringing in a large-scale number of individual replacements to fill the ranks. Obviously, the logistics has been very poor, 
and so they've got to get that reset, and then we'll see if they renew the campaign in terms of their current objectives, or they adjust their ends and their resources. They realize taking the entirety of the country uh, is not doable for the amount of resources it would cost them. So they may say, hey, we're going to focus on the Donbass, like you suggest, perhaps trying to control the southern coast. And when they get to that point, maybe uh, calling for a ceasefire and trying to negotiate from a position of strength. Jeff, there's a line of reasoning on the part of some analysts that as Putin becomes more despondent, more desperate, as things continue to go south, that he may resort to weapons of mass destruction to to make a point, to try to wrap up the war quickly, whether it's chemical weapons and possibly even tactical nuclear weapons. Now, as of yesterday, President Biden on record saying that America, as well as NATO, would in fact respond, and the scope of the response would depend on the scope of whatever is used in theater in Ukraine, whether it's chemical or nuclear. And again, we don't like to think about this or talk about this, but what what are you hearing? Is that a real possibility? I mean, we have, we are not ratcheting up our, our nuclear, our DEFCON, right, in terms of preparedness. There's been no adjustment in U.S. Uh, nuclear posture uh, that has been, I've heard of or seen any evidence to suggest that, and the Pentagon has rejected that. The Russians did lev- raise theirs one level, They've done that in past when they conducted the invasion of Georgia and, and uh, uh, Ukraine back in 2014. My goodness, when the Soviet Union invaded Hungary and Czechoslovakia back in the 50s and 60s during the Cold War. So that's not that uncommon. But the Russians do talk about the use of such weapons. Uh, their military doctrine talks about the use of tactical nuclear weapons. They call it escalating to de-escalate. Uh, if, in fact, particularly the existence of the state is threatened, and then that's what... Uh, Sergei um, Peskov, the uh, Kremlin spokesperson, said when I asked about this just the other day. So they certainly have not taken it off the table. They have certainly encouraged or sanctioned the use of chemical weapons by the Syrians against cities. And one could imagine Putin might be considering, back to the adjustment of ends and means, if my ends still are to take over the entire country and really drive fissures into the alliance, then escalating something like that might be something that he might find attractive. He would certainly also accelerate the flow of refugees. I think more and more the, the uh, Kremlin is looking at the use of refugees really as a, as a weapon against the West. Now that we're rapidly approaching 4 million refugees outside of Ukraine and perhaps as many as 6.5 million of refugees inside Ukraine. There are some suggestions, Paul, that half of the children in Ukraine are now refugees. So doing that might accelerate that refugee flow and put more pressure on NATO to then come back and try to get Zelensky to negotiate or give up. Again, we're talking with CBS uh, military analyst Jeff McCausland. And I know you're aware of this, and it has to be real, but I shake my head. There are reports that uh, hundreds of thousands of civilians, Ukrainian civilians, are being transported to Russia against their will, uh, possibly to be used as hostages, uh, perhaps to pressure Kiev into giving up. 402,000 people, including 84,000 children, taken to Russia. Of course, Russia is saying that they want to come to Russia. Uh, Ukraine is saying, no, they're being taken there against their will. Do you have any kind of an update on that? Yeah, I talked to a colleague of mine who's involved in the war crimes evaluation of this. He was a lawyer for the International Criminal Court when they prosecuted Milosevic and Milotic. And 
that already is being monitored because that is, in fact, a war crime. The forcible eviction or cleansing of populations is, in fact, a war crime, moving people against their will, particularly taking children, in some cases, from parents. This is, in fact, a war crime and fulfills that statement that the White House actually made, formally saying that the Russians were, in fact, committing war crimes uh, in the Ukraine. So this will, in fact, be be investigated. And clearly, it's contrary to the rules of international law uh, and just shows you how the moral clarity that we have in this particular conflict. I mean, it boggles my mind that some people are still have even a modest bit of consideration that we might have caused Vladimir Putin to do this or move in the direction he has taken. Because when you commit acts like that, again, the difference between good and evil seems to me to be pretty doggone clear. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty pretty black and white. And I certainly don't envy President Biden trying to thread the needle. Recently, Biden said that uh, Putin's overwhelming objective is to demonstrate that democracies can't function in the 21st century because things are moving so rapidly. They require consensus. It's difficult to get consensus. We all know democracy is sloppy. And uh, Putin's point, autocracies are going to rule. Putin has tried for many years, for decades, to break up NATO so we could face 30 individual countries rather than one united front. All of his expectations that the West would step back and do nothing, that uh, you know we, we would fall apart and squabble amongst ourselves. The West has never been more united than it is right now. And the question is, you know, can we keep that going? What comes next, Jeff? Well, I think that's exactly right. And that's why Mr. Biden, I think, announced that this in, uh, visit to Europe and this emergency meeting of the heads of state needed to happen now, and I think it was primarily to demonstrate that unity and make sure there was unity of purpose moving ahead. And I think Mr. Biden has said several times, and I think he is correct, that that unity is clearly uh, our most important asset. And, you know, as far as what Putin, Biden, or what Putin has done, I thought it was summed up pretty well by a German writer the other day who said in a matter of a couple of days, Vladimir Putin has managed to undermine Swedish neutrality and end German pacifism in a matter of a couple of days. The two things that have gone on in policy for decades and decades, and that now is over. But again, it's going to be trying times ahead. I think we need to be clear-eyed about the fact this may well get worse, certainly before it gets better. This refugee situation, I think, is just a classic example of that. But it will be that unity of purpose that I think that gets us through this in the end. And we'll test that proposition that Mr. Uh, Mr. Putin has put out there about autocracy being the wave of the future, because I don't certainly think it is, and I think most of the people in NATO would agree with me. I know you're a journalist. Um, you usually don't share your opinion openly. I'm curious, based on everything you've seen, do you think there are, let's say, good odds that Ukraine can prevail? I think there's a chance Ukraine can prevail. I don't mean to equivocate, but I think there's a definite chance that the Ukraine can prevail uh, because at the end of the day, as an old soldier, I can tell you, war is a contest of wills. That's what it really is at the end of the day. And the willpower on the part of the Ukrainian people, and certainly Mr. Zelensky, is just demonstrable. And in all the days and weeks that we have spent sometimes being very cynical about how our countries operate, how our society operates, Watching the Ukrainians 
is a demonstration of what a free people will do to protect that freedom and really values and things that we often take for granted and they're fighting and dying for. So with that in mind, I think they've got more than a good chance of being successful, but clearly they're going to need massive support from the West. That has got to be steadfast if they're going to be able to prevail. Well, Jeff, thank you for your service, and uh, as always, thank you for your perspective. Jeff McCausland, CBS News military analyst. Have a great weekend, Jeff. Thanks for coming on today. You too, Paul. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.